you know, I listen to the song and it's what my life is really like. So from the big picture perspective, I have so much, I'm blessed with so much. So if I can just take a deep breath, focus on those things and then work through the things that are challenging me. So that's just what that song does for me. Right. It's called Life is Good? Yeah, Life is Good by Gord Banford. Okay, I'm going to look it up. Is it country music? It is, yeah. <laughs> I, I love country. I used to like it when I was younger. I got honest, I'm not going to lie, it was six months ago. And now that is all I listen to. I drive my kids crazy. So <laughs> I'm a massive country music fan. So don't hate on the country music fans. The most inspiring stories from today's most successful mortgage brokers. Join your host, Scott Peckford, on I Love Mortgage Brokering. Hey, Broker Nation, Scott Peckford here. Today on the show, I have Tanya Steinbeck, was a 25-year BMO employee before joining the dark side and becoming a mortgage broker, all kidding aside. So it's been a fantastic transition for her. She joined just 12 months ago. She's already doing fantastic. And a couple takeaways from my conversation with her, she shares her biggest insight when transitioning from banker to broker. I know there's a lot of you out there that were bankers or are bankers and think of becoming a broker. So she talks about that. She talked about a myth that she believed about brokers before she became a broker. So it's kind of like, hey, they have web feet or whatever. It's not the case. But And then finally, she talks about how she came into our academy, did some work with her, and she talks about how mapping her customer journey and creating moments of wow has helped her tremendously in terms of creating a more repeatable customer experience. I think you're going to enjoy this conversation with Tanya. Also on the Ask the Expert segment, I talked to Greg Williamson about Finmo and their pricing changes and how you can get it for free. Check that out. I'd like to give a shout out to our title sponsor, Finmo. So Finmo is a Canadian mortgage application, document collection and submission platform. It's designed specifically for Canadians. It's really easy to use for the borrower and the broker. It's connected to Lender Spotlight, which lets you search guidelines and interest rates. It's got Smart Docs, which lets you figure out exactly what you need as the person's filling it out tells you the documents you're gonna require. And it's got Smart Submission Notes. So all around, it's a fantastic product. Go check them out, finmo.ca, and check out this episode. Hey, Tanya, welcome to the show. Thanks, Scott. Glad to be here. So tell me a little bit about yourself and your business. Well, I'll take you way back. So I lived and graduated in Bonneville, Alberta, and then I moved to Edmonton to go to school at Nate. And during my time at Nate, I had to do a three-week practicum at the Bank of Montreal. And on my last day there, my manager came over and asked if I'd like to work the next day, and he'd pay me. So I said yes. So that's what started my time into banking and mortgages. So fast forward, I was at Bank of Montreal for almost 25 years. I worked in many different roles, uh, most of which included lending. Most recent, I led a lending specialist team for the last 15 years or so of my career. It offered me great opportunity to work with executive of companies, putting share ownership programs together, working with financial planners, and, and helping their clients with all of their home financing and investment lending needs. So I worked with a really a tenured team, a great team. And How then big was your team? So I had Alberta, North and Saskatchewan, and it ranged depending on you know the time, but say 15 to 17 individuals on my team. And then we just covered that wide area. So what made you, prompted you to go become a mortgage broker from that? So like, that's going to be a pretty good gig. You get paid salary plus, you know, benefits. And now you're going to go and throw it all away. I'm just kidding. You're not throwing <laughs> it all away. But what prompted that? Yeah. So I loved my time actually with Bank of Montreal. I had a great career, had a lot of opportunity to learn. And then about three, four years ago, I made a decision to leave Bank of Montreal. And the reason was, and it was kind of a funny story, but I wanted to take more time with my family. My role had me traveling a lot, but there was many months where I'd be gone a week and a half to two weeks out of the month. And I have four children. So they range currently from eight to 18. Um, we also have, live on a farm and we have another business. So I was finding that I was working a lot. I was gone a lot. And then my youngest son at the time was probably four and he needed dental surgery and I worked a lot. 
that day I took the day off and I was laying in bed with him and snuggling him. And I was on my Blackberry, of course, working and doing emails. And he just looked up at me and he said, this is so nice. I just wish you could spend more time with us. And it was just in that moment that I thought, yeah, I'm going to do that. And it probably took me. Pulls on the heartstrings. It's like, like, you're like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? Right. Yeah. Why did it take till the fourth kid? I don't know. I must've been just ready or in the right headspace at that time. So yeah, yeah, it took me about a year to kind of make it all come together, you know, express it to my leadership, you know, obviously make a plan for my exit. So yeah, so I did that. And then I took a couple of years off and I spent the time with my kids, very busy with the kids and the farm and the business. And so I didn't have a dull moment, so to speak. But I did miss mortgages. I loved people. I still had family and friends calling me all the time to help them. So I would sit with them and I would go through a plan and then I would refer it back to my team or one of my old team members. And they would look after the mortgage financing. So basically from that period of time, I guess that's what started my mortgage broker journey, you know, in a roundabout way. Just a couple of years off. And then I spoke to a few of my previous colleagues who'd gone into the mortgage broker world and had started saying to me, you should do this. You know, this would be a great fit for you. At the time, I think I was 43, 44. And so I didn't really know where I wanted to go and what, you know, my next career looked like. But in speaking to them and knowing that this is, you know, what I love to do, I had to do a lot of research and investigation into what is the mortgage broker world? You know, who would be a good team to be with? What did that look like for me? So that probably took me a year before I finally made some decisions to move forward with becoming a mortgage broker. Okay. I'm going to come back to this actually and talk about the transition because I think there's a lot of successful mortgage brokers that were formerly in banking. But before we dive into that, can you tell me about a success quote that's had an impact on your life or business? So it's it's interesting, but I thought a lot about this. I listened to your podcast and I listened to other people when they're talking about their success quotes. For myself, I don't even have a quote that I can honestly say that I go back to and I live by. What I can say is that there's a song that resonates with me and it's called Life is Good by Gord Bamford. And for me, it applies to work and personal life. Okay. How do you apply that? Life is good. Yeah. So when I'm feeling overwhelmed or that I'm failing in any aspect of my life, very honestly, I just put that song on and it really talks about, you know, looking back at yourself. And for myself, I can look at myself and have an amazing life. I have amazing children. I have a great life. I look out the window and I see everything I have and I see the family. And from a business perspective, I can look at it and say, oh my gosh, I'm so overwhelmed. I can't get through this. You know, this is crazy. I and mean, how does anybody understand policies? It's been, you know, a year and my first year here and, and whatnot. You know, I listen to the song and it's what my life is really like. So from the big picture perspective, I have so much. I'm blessed with so much. So if I can just take a deep breath, focus on those things and then work through the things that are challenging me. So that's just what that song does for me. Right. It's called Life is Good? Yeah, Life is Good by Gord Banford. Okay, I'm going to look it up. Is it country music? It is, yeah. (laughs) I I love country. I used to like it when I was younger. I got honest, I'm not going to lie, it was six months ago. And that is all I listen to. I drive my kids crazy. (laughs) <laughs> so I'm a massive country music fan. So don't hate on the country music fans. So I like that a lot, actually. And, you know, I find that it's easy to find things that are irritating. And then if you focus on them, that's all you see is the irritating things. But we literally live in the most amazing time. Like you can travel across the world in hours. You know, we can do this conversation. I can see you. You're sitting in, you know, on a farm and we can see each other. And the things that we have, but we so easily dismiss those and forget about how just life is amazing. It really mm-hmm. is. But if you don't look for those things or don't appreciate them, then that's when you miss it. I've had a bit of a cold lately and your health is one of those things you just completely take for granted until you don't have it. Then you're like, oh my gosh, nothing else matters if your health is out of whack. Like literally nothing, right? Um, So it's it's good. Okay, so let me ask you about this. When you were with BMO for 25 years and you're pretty high up at BMO running a VP and stuff. So what was the biggest transition that you found when you went from banking to brokering? 
So probably a couple things. It's a great question because there's so much in that, but I've been in one company for so long. I knew their policies, processes, procedures, and people. So for so many years, I felt like I was a subject matter expert in many things. So coming into the broker world, it is a different world. I thought it would be an easier transition than it was because I know credit, right? So I thought I know credit and I know people. But all of a sudden, I needed to know many different policies, processes, procedures, and even just how to get an application from my computer to the right lender and who uses a portal and who uses, you know, email. And I just felt like there was this overwhelming amount of information and ways to do things. So that was a huge challenge for me. And then the other challenge is taking off my banker hat and becoming a broker and taking a look at it, you know, that I'm the conduit, right? So my job is to understand my clients' needs and where they need to go and then place them, you know, in the best place possible for them and not just be all corporate all the time and think that the big banks are the only place to be. Like monoline, you know, when I was at the bank, a monoline was something that, you know, we didn't necessarily speak highly of, right? (laughs) Right. I was going to say, did you, before you became a broker, you know, you'd be like those brokers, they're like, eh. I bet you there was a little bit of that. Like, you know, it's okay. We talk about our competition. If you're a, you know, a Calgary fan, Flames fan, you're going to, you know, talk about Edmonton and Edmonton's the same. So that's not a bad thing. So what would advice would you give yourself knowing now, because it's been 12 months now since you switched from banking to brokering, mm-hmm. if you could go back to that first, what would you say to yourself? So I think for myself, I've learned a lot. One thing that I think I did really well, first of all, was I did the research and I spent a lot of time trying to decide on the best brokerage for me, the best place to place myself. I have for years have been part of a team. So being an individual player was scary to me. So I thought for myself, it was really important to pick a team that was going to support me, to help me through this process. I hadn't been client facing for 15 years and I've been out of the market for two years because I had taken two years off before I went down the broker route. And so for me, that was really important. So the first thing I would say to someone is make sure you do your research, understand that going from any role, whether it be outside the industry, from a bank, another brokerage, ensuring that you're going to have the support you need within the role itself. So I need to be able to call someone and ask for help or at least be directed to the right locations. And I found that for myself. So that's the first thing that I would say is that that's the most important thing. And then the next thing I would say is if they actually have, you know, a CRM database that you have access to, look into it and see how that can help you, how it can save money and provide consistency. And so my brokerage has Jungo and they've done a lot of work in Jungo and a lot of auto emailers. And initially I'm old time banker. I didn't embrace that right away. And it took, you know, a bit of time, probably four months before I really started using it. And in hindsight, if I would have implemented it on day one, I could have saved myself a lot of time, energy and headaches, very honestly. And then the third thing I would say, and I didn't take the uh, 10 loans a month course until recently, but understanding your customer journey. This is a funny thing. I've never actually had to write down what the customer journey is and what it looks like and who does what. So taking the time to dive into it, what I thought it was, and then how I wanted it to feel for a client, I think that if we were to do that on day one, that would really help us direct our business and ensure that we have a really great process from the beginning. Okay, I got one last question on this. Sorry, this was not on the questions I sent you, but this is a fascinating conversation. So what is one myth that you had before being a broker that you now realize is not true? So like, what was it like that all mortgage brokers have webbed feet? That they have and i'm just kidding they don't but like only the really good ones have web feed but like what's something that was a myth that you believed prior to leaving the bank and now you're like wait a second that wasn't right i'm curious i don't even know if i really had a myth i didn't think that much about it i know that you know we had mortgage specialists that worked at the institution that i worked at 
And I assume that they were very similar to the mortgage broker world. But maybe one thing that it's not that it was a myth, but what I realized since I've been in the broker world is, you know, many, if not most brokers really do want to do what's best for the client. We really do want to understand the client and make it a long-term client, not just, you know, a one-hit wonder. So it's not about just looking after the immediate need. It's really about developing relationships, you know, with referral sources, but also with clients, because it's more important than ever to establish a long-term relationship with these clients. And I think that I didn't realize that when I was at the bank, that brokers really spend a lot of time doing that or should. Right. The good ones do. Like, here's the thing. You don't have to, but you're probably going to struggle in your business. The good ones that are doing lots of business, they are understand that. Okay. So mm-hmm. what's the biggest change that you've made your business in the last 12 months? Yeah, I would say that, again, because it's my first year, any changes that I make, they're brand new to me. But it was the Jungo implementation is one of the biggest changes that I made in my business. It's embracing that and understanding what it can do for me and my clients. And then the other thing would be, I have two other ones that would be somewhat equal, but it's understanding the client journey and implementing wow factors. So how do I set myself apart from other brokers out there? How can I make sure that I'm doing what I love, which is really the client conversation, knowing my clients, making them feel special and appreciated. You know, how does that translate in the mortgage world? Okay. So I was going to ask you, what was your biggest takeaway from the coaching, but you're probably going to say the customer journey stuff, right? It's just it like, was. Yeah, it absolutely uh, was. It's just the wow factors. And I'm not sure. If you don't mind, could you give one, one specific example of how you, and just if you're listening to this, wows don't have to be like, you know, fireworks. It's just these very intentional moments that you create throughout the experience. Mm-hmm. So can you give an example of something that you've implemented that in order to make that experience just a couple notches higher? Yeah. Absolutely. So when looking at the customer journey, it's not just about the customer. I feel like it's the whole deal team. And that's what came out of this. So for me, it's the realtor. So the buyer's realtor, the seller's realtor, and the lawyer are people that are part of that deal team. So when I have an unconditional approval now, I will actually send a thank you card or just a note card. It's actually called just a note with a Tim Hortons card in it for the seller's realtor. So it does two things for me. It just says, hey, it was great working with you on the sale of X. So it gives me the opportunity to hopefully make another connection, another referral source, and it just makes everybody feel good when something goes smoothly. I also do that for the buyer's realtor on unconditional approval. So that would be something, one of the wows that I've been. What kind of feedback have you got from realtors on that on the listing? Yeah, side? surprise. And I don't send it until I have the unconditional approval. I did make the mistake once. Yeah, you don't do that. Like, oh, crap, your deal's falling apart. Here's a card, though, the consolation prize. You don't do that. Right. And for me, it was when I did it, it was because the seller's realtor then started contacting me, asking me how things were making out before the client had removed their conditions. So you don't want to be in those positions, you know, so because you can't release that information. So for me, at unconditional approval, it just seems to be the best place for it. And then one other thing from a wow factor, I sent out Christmas cards already with little ornaments in them. And I'm getting every day numerous thank you cards, just appreciations, and not just for clients, but for contacts I've made over the past 11 months that I've been. Right. Yeah. That's really good. Okay. I got another question. I write down here one random question. Tell me about your first deal. The first one you did, I guess, as a mortgage broker. You did lots of mortgages back in the past, but walk mm-hmm. me through that because I just think this is interesting. So it was actually super difficult. And it's the only time I've ever had to do an alt deal out of, the, out of the deals I've done this year. And it was for a colleague of my husband. And so, of course, my husband set me up that I'm awesome. And so this deal comes to me and he is business for self. And, you know, from a reporting income perspective, it was super difficult. So he didn't have the standard income. We had to go down the B channel. So it was just really challenging. And it was interesting for me. My experience was that when he came to me, he said his mortgage broker had already turned him down. And that there was no way he could do this application. So right off the bat, you know, you're going to be challenged. 
But what I can say about that deal is I walked through it, I um, had to learn a lot because not only was there a standard deal, I had to get 12 month bank statements. So there was this whole process that we would have never done in my previous life. At BMO, it would have just been a no, right? Would have been just yeah, a- I wouldn't have been able to do it. Like it was absolutely, it was just not possible. So as much as it was my one of my most challenging deals, it was also one of those deals where I felt very proud of because even you know other brokers I spoke to and other people I spoke to, they're like, you know, you're probably not gonna get this deal done. This is gonna take a lot of time. And I felt like, oh my gosh, my husband referred him to me. You know, this is how I'm gonna get my name out. I have to make this happen. So I just took the time to make it happen. I called probably every BDM out there asking, you know, how to do it, talking to my team. I'm really fortunate that we have a great team that I work with where we have a team chat set up so that I get back to me right away for, you know, answers to questions. And so I got through it, got it approved and it felt amazing. But that was, I would say, it's something I could have never done in my previous life. I was so happy that I could actually help this young gentleman get started. And how happy was he? Crazy happy. Like it was right. just, he tells everybody and it's obviously been more of his friends have come to me as well, which has been great. And they've been right. easier to approve. <laughs> right. They're not so, as hard as things. Okay. So let me ask you this follow-up question. What was your biggest lesson for your first one? So my biggest lesson, I guess, and this would be, I wasn't at the time, but after taking your course, it's kind of like your no-go list. It's like, where do you want to spend a lot of your time? Where do you not want to spend a lot of your time? And for those types of deals, I feel like they do take a lot more time However, I feel like the appreciation at the end and the, how you word things and how you present it, I guess versus saying that because of the way you do your taxes, this is why we have to do it. But just basically being a little bit more professional about it and saying that, you know, because you're, you know, I guess the way you report your income, which is a great job on your accountant's behalf. It has yeah, it's all different. positive. It's honor. Hey, your accountant's doing a great job for you. However, that creates yeah. a challenge for you over here, which means mm-hmm. this is why and, we look at this, right? Yeah. And then what I would have done differently, I would have said in that case is not next year you should increase your income it's rather i would have then presented it and said your accountant's done such a great job so the difference is we do have to go this route where you pay these fees but if you talk to your accountant you had to increase your income by twice what would that cost you from a tax perspective so maybe being an alternate client is not all bad you know we it's don't not necessarily yeah when you will look at the full picture right like in mm-hmm. isolation it's like well that doesn't look great but when you see the full picture of a person's financial situation and paying that extra tax for two years is significantly more than the minor amount in fee and interest rate difference. Yeah. And even the B business now, B mortgages are so cheap. I mean, they're lower than prime mortgages were back in 2008, 2009. I mean, I had a prime fixed mortgage at 579, last yeah, fixed I mean, mortgage I ever had. I know, years ago, I used to say to clients, as long as it's under 6%, that's Yeah, so my bad. wife used to say that when she worked <laughs> in the bank, under 6%, you're good. Like, man, you can almost get private money under 6%. It's ridiculous. <laughs> okay, so we'll do some rapid fire questions. What's one thing people can't find out about you from Google? So people can find most everything about me on Google and or social media because I'm an open book and share probably too much. But one thing that they might not find out is that I love coffee, but my friends and family say that you don't love coffee. You love creamer and you add a little bit of coffee to it. Mm. And up till three years ago, I was a tea drinker. So it's a more recent. uh, Okay. How many, if you go to Tim Hortons, how many cream do you have in it? Well, if I go to Tim Hortons, it's always tea and it's double, double at home. It's the uh, French vanilla creamer. Okay. I asked somebody once at Tim Hortons, the most they've ever seen is somebody with like 16 cream in their coffee. Yeah, that's crazy. You might just order milk. Yeah, just you're just basically getting, there's no coffee in there. Like, what is that? Okay, what's a movie everybody should watch at least once? So I've thought about this, and I actually don't have a movie to tell you, but what I would say is that I recently watched a Netflix series called Made, and, you know, it's hard to watch, but I really loved it, and it kind of took me back, and it's just one of those tough shows that makes you kind of look within and say, how can I help others? Not everybody has the life that I have. And so I think it's just sometimes being reminded of those things are the good shows to watch. Made. Okay, I got to check that. I haven't seen that. What's three software programs? You said Django. You could, what's the two others? Django, what's two other programs? Well, Adobe Sign, because everything's virtual now. So Mm -hmm. I need to have that. And this is one that I want 
be one of my must-haves and I haven't really had a chance to utilize it the way I want to, but it would be Loom. I think that there's just so much opportunity for me and my business to incorporate that. So that's one of my goals. Right. You can do it. What's one book you recommend for a listener? So same thing. I don't have a book that I would recommend. I have four kids, a farm, a business, and my mortgage broker business. So when I am reading, it's generally processes, policies, or something kid-related. So I, what, I, don't, what kind I of wish farm I you had have? one. So we just have, it's uh, kind of multi, at the multi-farm. So we have cows, chickens, pigs. And is it like cattle farm or is it like cattle farm? Yeah. 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 Oh, nice. Usually cow-calf pairs. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So ask you this last question. If you could travel back in time, you're kind of asked this already, but your first day as a mortgage broker, what piece of advice would you give yourself? Yeah, I would absolutely just say that I would have incorporated CRM that uh, my brokerage had put in place for me and then implemented a client journey. Okay. Implemented a client journey. Okay. Tanya, this has been awesome, fun chatting with you and, you know, it's cool to see you take your banking knowledge that you had and even some of your misconceptions about the broker space jumping in and then going, wait a second, you know, there's good people here too, right? I'm not to say there's, there's great people on the bank side too. There's people that genuinely care about the client mm-hmm. on both sides. And there's also some people, there's a small percentage, I'd say it's small on both sides that don't. When we want to talk about the other guys, we always point at the small percentage of problems, not the 80% of people that are actually trying to do their best with the knowledge they have. Mm-hmm. Um, where do people find you online? So I guess on Instagram, I'm at Stainbake Mortgage Team or Stainbake underscore mortgage underscore team. On Facebook, I'm the Stainbake Mortgage Team. That's where you can find everything out that you need to know. Okay, <laughs> Tanya, this has been so much fun and I'm sure you're going to continue to crush your mortgage biz. So good chat with you. Great. Thank you, Scott. I appreciate it. That was a fantastic conversation with Tanya. I just love her energy, focus, and how she's so client-centric. And if you're listening to this and you're like, man, like, you know, how do I get my customer journey dialed in? How do I get that figured out? Go check out 10loansamonth.com. So myself and some of the other coaches are really good at developing loan processes. We're only open a few times a year, but if you get on a wait list, then when we're open, you'll actually get an invite for an early bird peek of what we've got going on. So go to the number 10loansamonth.com, check that out. In this upcoming conversation, I chat with Greg from Finmo about the recent pricing changes that they made. Have a listen. Hey, Greg, welcome to Ask the Experts. Hey, Scott, how's it going? Man, I'm, I missed you. It was great. I, I enjoyed our last conversation. So here we are again. We're back again. Yes. And so what we're going to do today is a conversation about some of the changes and cool things you guys are doing at Finmo. But so like, what's new? I'm curious, what do you guys got going on right now at Finmo and Lendesk? You know what? I think the biggest thing is the launch of our Lender Connect. I mean, you remember back a year ago, we did, you know, the one plus one equals three and Finmo being part of Lendesk. And we spent the first six months or so of last year, you know, connecting those things, connecting Finmo, you know, the market's best front end POS solution to the market's biggest lender market. So now we have 264 lenders that we're connected to and Finmo users can submit directly to lenders. And uh, it's exciting for two reasons. One, obviously, moving that vision along is always what we wanted to do is create the mortgage in minutes. So I need to have that connection to lenders. And then the other thing that makes it, I think, really exciting is that it changes the game for us now that we are in a position where we can really focus our innovation in the entire mortgage life cycle, not just the get the application and get the documents. Now we can really think about how do you really make the best submission? How do we pre-adjudicate or auto-adjudicate some deals? How can we help the underwriters with better, you know, how they might want to see the deals and how can we verify documents? How can we send documents through? Like we're able to now unlock this so much more opportunity in the innovation space. And I think that's what we're most excited about. 
Right. And it kind of makes sense that you would go in this direction. I mean, it has to go somewhere. Once you get that information, the application documents, well, it's got to go somewhere. So it might as well stay in your platform and then just go directly to the 264 lender. So you guys recently gave away a Tesla and got lots of stuff going to talk to me about that. How'd that go? What was the feedback like on it? Oh, man, I'm not going to lie. I mean, obviously, we were like, oh, this is going to be a risk. I mean, see how this is going to go. But it went awesome. Like, you know, we needed to get a bit of a splash, let brokers know that we knew, listen, hey, I'm asking you to change the way you do your business. Like, if you were a, you know, a Finmo user and loved it, you know, you had to, you know, push it to another platform and then submit there. And so you just knew that. And that was the way you did business. So now I'm asking you to disrupt that. And so we knew we had to get some splash, we had to get some attention, and it worked. We got a lot of play out of that, and we're really excited about that. Right. And so who won it again? What was the name of the person who won? Matthew O'Neill. Connolly Capital. It was great. He's been a long-term, long, long-term Finmo user, and uh, it was good to see you. And yeah, it was fun to do anyway. I hope we do something like that again. So what's also changed with your guys' platform in terms of your fee structure and stuff? Finmo, for all of the exciting things that Finmo is going to come out with and the pro version now, then it costs $0. We're giving away Finmo for free. And because you're going to be submitting direct, I mean, listen, I'm sure your listeners, and I know, you know, you know, the mechanics of how this industry works and um, lenders are happy to pay a fee for a platform like us to have us send them the business to them in a way that's going to be good for them. So great. Okay. We can make revenue off of that for sure. And that's definitely where we want to head. But you touched on this earlier. The real motivator though, is that our vision right from the first day that we started Finmo was to create the mortgage in minutes. Well, I can't do a mortgage in minutes if part of the process is broken, where you're going off to another platform. And so that's really the gist of it for us. And now, sure, we do make more revenue. That's great. But we can use that revenue to innovate and bring out more for our platform. And that's what we're going to do. A lot of exciting things, you know, in next year. We've been working away in the lab and now it's time to bring it all out. Right. Okay. And so I heard a couple of things that you've got some analytics stuff. And so what are your latest features that you're rolling out here soon? Well, I think one that we've been working on for quite a while that I know, you know, as a former owner of a brokerage and team leader and, you know, done some coaching in the space like you, I know this is really important. Knowing my numbers. And so, you know, I've put a lot of heavy hand into this with my team and working on so that as an agent and as a sales manager, whichever the case may be, it would be really valuable for me to know intricate details about what my business is doing. So, for example, the classic ratios that I think are important for mortgage brokers to know their numbers and do is things like lead to application funding ratio. So how many of my leads turn into applications? How many of my applications turn into actual deals? And you know, what is my average commission? Am I been buying down more? Do I have revenue leakage? What's my lender mix? Am I supporting the lenders that give us the best returns for the business that we've negotiated? So I need to know all of that as an agent. And so right at a bird's eye view as an agent or as a sales manager, where I can see all of my agents on my team, I get to see which one of my agents needs some additional coaching or some help and where, where in the process are they, you know, a little bit weaker and could use some help. And that makes it a lot easier to help people strive to be better. And so we're really excited about that. And that's just the start. I mean, we're just going to continually make that the most important piece that I would go and find out everything I need to know about what's going on in my business. 
You know, I remember when you used to coach mortgage brokers and you'd always break down those ratios. You'd be like, okay, let's look at your, and you always said, nobody knows the numbers. They never know their freaking numbers. And uh, you'd always break <laughs> down and be like, okay, you don't need to get more deals. You need to increase your conversions. You're, you're oh, getting yeah. lots of leads, right? So again, most brokers out there aren't paying as much attention to this. So to be able to click and see it, and especially as a manager, right? Now that I have a brokerage, this is going to be fantastic. Right now we're doing it manually, but it's going to be great to be like, hey, wait a second. I can see a gap between the lead to application. Okay, what's the source of your leads? Where are you getting them from? Like, what is your conversation like? So you can start to drill into what's happening in the business. <clears throat> and uh, you used to coach on this all the time. You'd be like, this is how we increase your revenues. Just bump this, your conversions yeah. by 10%. No more leads. All of a sudden you make more money, right? You remember that? Yeah, the effect of it is, was always, there's an old worksheet I used to use all the time. It sort of says like, you know, start every year with this. It was a destination worksheet. It was like, start every year with this. Like, what was your commission last year? How much average commission? Oh, you don't know? Okay, well, you should know. But let's say you start with that. And then, okay, well, how many leads did I get? And then if I move my lead conversion to here and I move my application conversion to here, what would that mean? And maybe it's a 5% change. Well, those two 5% changes actually had the network effect of all of a sudden I went from, you know, I made $120,000 last year, so I'm going to make $180,000 this year by making two little small tweaks. So, okay, great. Now I know what those are. I need to track to make sure I'm hitting that. But then it's like, okay, well, if I'm going to increase my app to fund ratio by 5%, what do I need to do? Well, I need to work on my process. I need to work on my pitch. The more times I have an opportunity that people are willing to listen to me and I have an offer to give, I win more of those. They don't mm -hmm. cheat on me. They don't go back to their bank. And so what might I do? Well, maybe I'd bring in the inflation hedge or maybe I'd bring in, you know, compare and share from lender spotlight so that I can show borrowers better options, whatever it might be. I'm always looking to optimize my sales process. And this allows me to figure out where should I press? And, and I'm really excited about it. Yeah, that's super cool. Okay. So I know you've made some other improvements in terms of integrations and how's that been going and what have you been doing there? We've been working on this for a while too. And this is the scratching the surface. And for your listeners, you'll be able to fill in the blanks. But we look at Leonard Spotlight as the brain. Like look at all the wealth of information we have in there. And so we recently did a new update to our integration with Finmo. So now what happens when you're in the submission screen, it became obvious to us that there's always sometimes I know who I want to send the deal to. I have a lender in mind, or maybe it's my favorite lender. I can't remember. Will it fit this policy or would it fit that policy? Like, ah, oh, man, I can't remember. Ah, I'll just send it. We'll see what happens. Or I got to go dig in and go find it. Well, now we just put it right there in Finmo, right at the point you're making the submission. We give you all of the policies that are related to that particular file for that lender. So I pick First National and I'll see all the policies that they do on their rental because it's a rental property or whatever the case may be. So I get the bird's eye view snapshot very quick. I get to see what the policies are for that particular lender just as a double check to make it sure that- It also saves time right. for the lender as well. So it's not just saving the broker yeah. time, but lenders don't, they also don't want files that aren't going to fit because- Somebody's got to pick it up and look at it and tell you no. And so like it, all around, it's just. Yeah, dude. I mean, it's the start of us doing more for lenders. It's us saying, look, there's more we can do. And we could do a better job of scrubbing the file. We could do a better job of making sure you don't see deals that you should. We could do a better job of ranking, you know, the brokers that have the highest ratios with you that you see their deals first or whatever it might be. It doesn't matter. The point is, is that there is innovation that can be done and we're all about it. Right. That's awesome. Okay. And I can see people, you know, in the Facebook group, because the Island Mortgage Working Facebook group, it's just always lender questions nonstop. 
And back when Henneberry created Lender Spotlight, that's we both noticed this, and he went off and created Lender Spotlight. But yeah, I could see this being a great benefit for that. Lender Spotlight is, I mean, hopefully, you know, I know Jason's probably an avid listener of your show. I hope he feels like we've been a great steward of the beautiful thing that he built. And we're proud of the product and we're proud of the team. I mean, the original team that Jason had, they're still with us and they love it and they work on the product. So one of the other things that we're pretty also excited about, sometimes it's the little things, but it's big. In fact, even this policy thing, I wasn't sure. I was like, oh, is people going to care? Man, we released this today and we're, our chat has been blowing up. People are just loving it. Because it's like that one more piece of just, I feel confident that this is the right place I need to put that deal. But the other thing that we were doing, as you've seen, you know, we recently shot a commercial about this and we were showing it on your platform about time. And one of our other focuses is how can we not just save you time, that's cliche, but how do we keep thinking of ways that you can give some of that time back to invest it in important things for you? So every little thing we can think of where we can save time. One of the things that we've recently developed that we're about to drop very soon is smart submission notes. So, you know, we were the original innovators of smart documents, still nobody has that, but now we have smart submission notes. So imagine this scenario, every mortgage broker knows that the quality of my submission notes is the way that I send flowers to my underwriter. You know, Mm -hmm. the underwriters love to know what's going on and the submission notes are important. So good brokers, smart brokers know that the more time I spend on my submission notes, the better I'm going to be. Faster return. Yeah. yeah, All of it. Yeah. So mortgage brokers over the years, I can remember back in the good old days, you know, my submission notes would be, this is a good deal, you know, fund it. That was my submission note. So yeah. Looks um, good to me. <laughs> yeah, looks good to me. Let's roll. Uh, and so, not anymore. I, yeah, Crazy girls, not anymore. Yeah, that's evolved into like a pretty long thing, and such that I bet a lot of brokers have built templates like that, copy and paste. But here's the problem: so I copy and paste the template into my notes. Well, now I got to go back and forth in the application, and if I'm working in some of the legacy platforms that are out there, yeah, it takes a lot of time, and so. I got to go find the beacon score or I got to go find, you know, what was the income there and where did they work again? God, I forgot. And so what we did is we just took the submission notes and we pre-populate the entire thing. So obviously we have all the data already. Why would I make you go find the data in the app that I already have it? I'll just put it in the notes for you. So the next steps of that would be to create customized notes for each lender. Like what does, you know, Lendwise or Strive, what do they like to see? How do they want their submission notes? What's important? What order? And we'll just create the template. You pick Strive from your drop-down menu right. and boom, the Strive submission notes. All template that reduces friction. Friction on there. the lender side, friction on... So when's that exactly. rolling out? Well, actually imminently. And it brings us full circle to the beginning of this conversation. I mean, those are just two things that I talked to you about in the last you know 10 minutes that there's just so much more coming that we're now unshackled to go and actually think up the innovations that should be done in the space, like in the whole chain of the mortgage in minutes and, you know, more coming from us. I can promise you that. Right. That's awesome. So if you guys are listening to this, these are some pretty cool innovations and Greg, you're a very creative guy. So there's more coming. Go check out finmo.ca to find out about Finmo. We use it at our brokerage. We've got a whole bunch of agents on there that are new and they love the platform. Even my underwriters who are very experienced are loving it because it's really easy. They're in lender spotlight all the time. Like literally they live in there. But the policies is going to be really helpful as well as submission notes making it easier for lenders. So this is awesome, man. Good chat with you. I'll have you back again and check in. I know that I always like our conversations. Good (laughs) chat with you, Greg. Yeah, thanks, Scott. Anytime. 
All right. Thanks again for listening to this conversation I had with Tanya as well as Greg. You know, if you're listening to this and you're like, hey, Scott, like, how do I get my business going? Here's one thing I'd recommend you do. Go to ilovemortgagebrokering.com and set up a free power search account and you can keyword search all of our catalog of past episodes, 400 and some, I don't know how many hundreds of hours of content and you can keyword search down to the singular word to find where things are mentioned so that you can then do research to help you in your business. I don't think there's any better tool, certainly no better tool that's free that can help you scale your business. So go to ilovemortgagebrokering.com, check that out. And thanks again for uh, listening to this episode. This is an I Love Mortgage Brokering production.